it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time to recap the final day of the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis with our friend who covers the Colts and the NFL for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana, Mr. George Bremer. George, you must be exhausted. A little bit. A little bit. I'll tell you, it's uh, this week is, is, is great in a lot of ways because you get so much information. Uh, and obviously, you get to see a lot of the draft picks, you know, up close and, and personal. Um, but when it's done, you're, you're usually ready to take a little break. And the thing is, there isn't much of one, right? Because you got this week and then spring uh, free agency is underway right after that. So, uh, you know, there is no off season. That That's a fact in the NFL. Yeah. Here on the show, I always joke. People say, how do you do a daily show? There's no rest for the wicked in the NFL. There's always stuff going on. We go from the combine, free agency. We've got some more off-season roundtables coming this week with some exciting guests. And then, of course, we jump right into free agency, doing a day-by-day, blow-by-blow, what's going on there. And then right after that's all over with, and we can dissect the players that the Jets and other teams have gotten. The draft is right around the corner, so start to preview the draft and talk about the different prospects. So it's really interesting how the NFL has now become a -a 365-day-a-year sport. And I will tell you, George, part of that is making something like the Combine an event. It is amazing how many people pay attention to this, how many people watch on television, including the two of us, obviously. And I want to talk about 
the two positions that the Jets are going to have the most interest in. And the reason why I want to talk about it is not just because the Jets are going to have a lot of interest, but because many teams will, since this is an insanely stacked wide receiver class and an insanely stacked offensive line class. Joe Douglas has no excuses. He's got a one, a three, two fours. He has got to come away with some quality offensive linemen and some quality wide receivers, and there are tons of them. I want to talk about the wide receivers first, George. Let's discuss some of the measurements and some of the speed that we saw from these guys. Now, Xavier Worthy, not the biggest guy, but there were some rumblings that he might break the all-time record for the 40 time in the drills at the Combine, and he did it. He ran a 4-2-2. That is the new record. He beat John Ross. Now, I hope for his sake that he ends up being a better player in the NFL than John Ross was. John Ross didn't do much of anything. In fact, I'd argue John Ross Ewing, a.k.a. J.R. Ewing, a much more effective entertainer than John Ross, the football player. And if you don't know who J.R. Ewing is, please go ahead and Google it and then watch some episodes of the show Dallas. Xavier Worthy, I think at this point with that speed, is probably a safe bet to go at worst the top of the second round, but he's probably going to go in the first round. A guy with that kind of speed very rarely makes it out of the first round. Yeah, he made himself a lot of money, I would imagine, this week. Um, you know, he was expected to to run that quick. And I think sometimes it's even harder. I mean, I don't know how many times over the years we've been in the combine and they say, fill in the blank, you know, this is going to be the fastest person at this combine. And they usually are. But when they add on to that, they may break the combine record. Normally, no matter what they run, it's disappointing. It's like, oh, well, he ran a 4-2-5. Well, that's, you know, he was supposed to break the record. Um, he goes out there in, in 4-2-1, uh, which is just insane. Uh, to do that with everybody, you know, with all the eyes on you, with those expectations, I think that's something that's going to impress decision makers. But again, it goes back to the tape. And I think that he's he was already being considered as a guy who could be in that late first, early second round realm. Now you go out, you confirm your speed. I know there's some questions about his weight, but I saw T.Y. Hilton, you know, for most of his career here in Indianapolis, uh, where he's obviously taller than him. I think, you know, T.Y. was considerably lighter and it, it never affected him. I don't think I would really be all that worried about the weight situation. I feel like that's overblown. I think Worthy's going to be a guy, you know, this – Speed kills. I mean, there's a reason that that's become a cliche, you know, and, and he's going to go out there. Imagine, I'm not saying this will happen, but imagine if he ends up in Kansas City. You put a weapon like that with Patrick Mahomes, you know, or anywhere with a big armed quarterback uh, and he's run past the defense. I I can see where 32 general managers are probably thinking that's not a bad pick. 6'1", 170 pounds, has the potential to be a taller version of somebody like Deshaun Jackson. And his teammate, Adonai Mitchell, put on a hell of a show as well. Adonai Mitchell and Brian Thomas Jr., to me, are fascinating because certainly more in the case of Brian Thomas, he's been overshadowed by Malik Neighbors. I'd argue that Adonai Mitchell overshadowed a little bit by Xavier Worthy's display of speed. But think about this. Brian Thomas Jr. is six foot four. 210 pounds. He ran a 4-3-4-40. Adonai Mitchell is 6'3", 210 pounds, and he ran a 4-3-5-40. Now, I can tell you a lot about Adonai Mitchell. Really good hands. He's a guy that's a much more well-rounded receiver than Xavier Worthy, certainly. And I think both he and Thomas now cemented themselves as first-round picks. I don't see how you look at what those two guys put on tape. Combine it with their size and speed and they don't end up getting drafted in the first round at some point. I think 
Mitchell might have slid to the back end of the first round and the early part of the second round. I think Thomas was a pretty safe bet to go in the first round at some point anyway. Thomas might be a top 15 pick now, and I don't think Adane Mitchell will be that far behind. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They, they may well move themselves into the middle of the, the first round. Both guys, I would think, are going to be at least in the conversation at 15 with Indy um, because you, both of them almost seem like they were created in a lab by Chris Chris Ballard. I mean, you look at what he wants for a receiver, the guys that he's drafted, these two hit every single box. Um, it, it, it would be really – I'm sure that they're going to be on the short list for Indianapolis, and I, if they make it that far. I mean, I – it's one of those drafts where I wonder, you know, once these runs start happening, are we going to see some of these receivers get pushed up? We we talk all the time about, well, there's depth, so maybe somebody's going to say, uh, if it's between a corner and a receiver, I'm going to grab that corner because I feel like I can get a receiver better in the second round than a corner. You know, I, it works both ways, though. I mean, we think that a lot going into the draft, and then on draft day, once those guys start coming off the board, people start going, well, I, I, better, I better get in on this run. I don't want to be left out. Um, and I think those two, once you get past that sort of big three at the top of the draft with Harrison, Neighbors, and Adunze, I feel like, you know, Thomas and, and Mitchell right at the top of that that next list. In my mind, they're right there, you know. And so um, I feel like as far as Mitch, uh, Thomas goes, I, I you think back to the last time LSU had two first-round receivers and Jamar Chase was the big name and has lived up to it. There's no question – what he's done in Cincinnati has been extremely, you know, well-received. And, and I don't think anybody's – there was a lot of drama when the pick was made, but I don't too many people there with the Bengals are upset now about it happening. Uh, and But Justin Jefferson, who ends up being the second receiver taken from LSU that year, arguably even better as a pro, uh, you know, with the Vikings, and now maybe going to break the the pay scale. We'll see how things work out there. But uh, you just wonder – is history going to repeat itself a little bit for LSU here with, with neighbors and, and Thomas, you know, you've got two first round receivers. And I think anybody right now would be happy with either chase or Jefferson. Will the same be true with the neighbors and, and Thomas, you know, a few years from now makes for some very intriguing options for teams that badly need another wide receiver threat at a high level but maybe don't have the cap space to go get somebody like Mike Evans or Calvin Ridley, a team like, as you said, the Chiefs, maybe the Bills. The Bills have been waiting to give Stefan Diggs that real number two receiver for a while. Gabe Davis is a solid receiver, but I don't think he was ever the number two they needed. He's a free agent now, too. So Brian Thomas Jr. and Adane Mitchell, in addition to, of course, the lightning fast savior worthy guys to look out for in those spots. A couple of other guys that made some waves at the combine speed wise. Tez Walker, a 4-3-6. Disappointing season for North Carolina this year. And he didn't do all that great senior bowl week either. But maybe this helps his stock a little bit. I still think he probably goes somewhere in day two. Jacob Cohen, who's a little on the smaller side. I think he's only about five foot eight, but he ran a four-three-eight. Really talented receiver, can do a lot of things, electric player. Xavier Leggett, this one is interesting to me. Built sort of like DK Metcalf, 6'4", about 220, 225 pounds, and he ran a 4.39. He was a little disappointing senior bowl week, but man, when you put up numbers like that at the combine, combined with the tape that you had at South Carolina, that makes for a very intriguing prospect. I think with all the talent at wide receiver, he's a guy that could slip to the second round. He could be this year's version, George, of somebody like a Michael Pittman Jr. or... 
T. Higgins, if you remember back in 2020, those two guys were the top two picks in round number two. That's how deep this wide receiver class is. You could see something like that. Another guy that should go early in round two, Lad McConkey, who everybody knows is a really well-rounded receiver. He can do so many things with the ball in his hands and without the ball in his hands. He's not as big as some of these other guys or necessarily as blazing fast, but a 4-4-40 tells you that not only has Lad McConkey put a lot of really good tape out there, but he's got better speed to go with it than many probably thought. Troy Franklin, a player who's built somewhat similarly to Xavier Worthy, a little bit taller, but he's lanky, sort of like Xavier Worthy. I think about 175, 180, ran a 441. I think he's a guy that would be an interesting target for a lot of teams in the second round. And another one who a lot of years, I think last year certainly would have been picked in the first round, but this year because of the sheer volume of talented receivers may drop to round two. Roman Wilson, a 4-4-40, I wasn't expecting that either. You know that he's a really good route runner and he just finds ways to get open, but with 4-4 speed, he's probably going to go up the draft boards as well. You would think that at worst he goes in the third round, could be a target for the Jets if he's there at number 72. Ricky Pearsall from Florida, 4-4-1. A lot of people think he's going to go round two or three. A couple of other interesting names, Jamari Thrash, not known as the fastest or flashiest. 4-4-6, he's known more for his route running and being able to be slick and get open that way. Malik Washington from Virginia, similar situation. Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son, a 4 5 Jalen Polk, who had a really nice game during the first round of the college football playoff, a 4-5-2. Johnny Wilson, who's 6'7", 230 pounds, ran a 4-5-3. He's the type of player, George, with his size, if you feel like you could coach him up, he could be a really nasty weapon. If he could get to even 70-80% of his ceiling, his teammate Keon Coleman may drop like a rock, though. A 4-6-2, which is kind of crazy. But I will say this, if you watch him, he plays way faster than he tests, and I love Keon Coleman. I think he has a chance to be a really good receiver. He's the type of guy that I think might be a first-round talent that, because of his lack of top-end speed, could drop, combined, of course, with the fact that there are so many good receivers in this draft that would cause it as well. And then... The last one I want to mention, George, because he's very prominent in this class, there have been three wide receivers that have been talked about as being almost locks to go in the top 10 in this draft. Marvin Harrison Jr., who was supposed to speak to the media but didn't. He left without talking to anybody, didn't work out. Malik Neighbors, who didn't work out. And Roma Dunze, who decided he was going to take advantage of the fact that the other two guys didn't work out and do some drills himself. He ends up being six foot three, 210 pounds. And he ran a 4-4-5. George, I was telling you this before we started recording. He doesn't look that fast when you watch him run, but it's those long strides. He's moving a lot quicker than you realize. And I think what he did in these drills, combined with what you heard about how well he did during the interviews, should lock him in as a top three receiver in this draft and probably a top 10 pick. No, and it's funny. You mentioned the 2020 draft earlier. Chris Ballard said that you know when he met the media this week that that he felt like this was maybe the deepest wide receiver class there's been and definitely uh compares with that 2020 group which again that's chase that's jefferson um you know that's a really really strong class um i it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out now with, with these guys um you know how do they want to 
how do teams want to you know line up their board? Because it does feel like in the second round and the third round, you're still going to not just get a starting caliber receiver, somebody that can really make an impact for you. We'll we'll see how you know how everybody ends up playing once they get on the field. But everybody seemed to go out this week and confirm what was on tape. So uh, or you know even maybe better themselves a little bit. And, and I think that's just you're gonna have scouts. I, I just feel like scouts are are really drooling right now over wide receiver and offensive tackle like those are the two spots that it it just feels like um you could see a bunch of them go early uh but just every round you're probably going to see a bunch of receivers and a bunch of tackles all throughout all three days of the draft another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. George, let's talk about some of those guys on the offensive line that we're going to hear a lot about heading into April. And then a lot of them are going to have their names called early on during the draft process. Troy Fatanu, the offensive tackle from Washington, I thought he was one of the best offensive linemen in the country this year. The big question is, though, is he going to have to become an interior offensive lineman in the NFL? A lot of people were speculating because of his arm length that maybe that would be the case, but Strangely enough, his arms a lot longer than people thought they would be. 34 and one half inches, also nine and a half inch hands, 6'4, 317 pounds. He may very well be a tackle. And if that's the case, 
he's probably vaulted himself into the discussion with the other four projected top tackles, who I'll talk about in a second. If he's a guard, he may still be the best guard in this draft. So either way, I think this helps Troy Fontanu, who has outstanding tape anyway. He should go in the top 20, you would think. Cooper Beebe from Kansas State, one of the top interior linemen in this draft. 31 and one-half inch arms, 9 and one-quarter inch hands, 6'3", 322. Lock, stock, and barrel, that man is a guard. Joe Alt, 6'9", 321, 34 and one-quarter inch arms. 10-inch hands, and by the way, he ran the 40 in just over five seconds. This guy is a freak of an athlete. As you said the other day, George, he played tight end initially, so that athleticism on the offensive line is certainly there. Olu Fashanu, 6'6", 312, eight-and-a-half-inch hands and 34-inch arms. Tali Isfawaga, one of the top four consensus tackles in this draft out of Oregon State, 6'6", 324, 10-and-one-eighth-inch hands, 33-and-one-eighth-inch arms. That means he probably could play guard, but he also could play tackle. Tyler Guyton, a physical freak, 6'8", 322 out of Oklahoma, 10 and a quarter inch hands, 34 and one eighth inch arms. The issue with him, of course, is going to be you need to get the right coaching behind him because he's a player that is raw due to the Oklahoma system where he really didn't have to sustain blocks for all that long. So not a lot of true pass sets in college. Jackson Powers Johnson, probably the top center in this draft, 6'3", 328. Nine and seven eighth inch hands, 32 and a quarter inch arms. Dominic Pooney, 6'5, 313, 10 and one eighth inch hands, 33 and three eighths arms. Patrick Paul, a huge mammoth of a man at six, seven and a half, 331, nine and three eighth inch hands, 36 and a quarter inch arms. Wow, those are some long arms. Kingsley Sumataya, a lot of people thinking that he may move inside, but he does have the measurements to play outside in the pros. The BYU product was 6'5", 326, 10 and 5 eighth inch hands, 34 and a quarter inch arms. Jordan Morgan, another player that a lot of people think might slide inside in the pros. The offensive tackle from Arizona, 6'5", 311, 10 and 7 eighth inch hands, 32 and 7 eighth inch arms. Amari Smims, oh my goodness, George, you want to talk about a freak of nature? Now again, like Tyler Guyton, this is a guy that's going to need the right coaching because he is raw. But the Georgia product was 6'8", 340 pounds, 11 and a quarter inch hands, 36 and an eighth inch arms. Holy smoke. And last but not least, the guy who is slowly but surely becoming my favorite tackle in this class, J.C. Latham, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, 6'5", 342, 11 inch hands, 35 and an eighth inch arms, and 84 and three eighth inch wingspan. This man is a freak of nature as well, very polished, and his play strength is off the charts. So George, unbelievable list of offensive linemen, just like the wide receivers, such a deep class. Yeah, as I say, one of the things that I think really that you highlighted there too, I said offensive tackles earlier, and it's really misspeaking. It's offensive line in general that is really deep here. There's going to be interior options too. You highlighted some of that. Some of these guys are versatile enough to play all over the line. Uh, I think it's just going to be, first of all, I think it's a great year to to need offensive linemen. So that's probably music to the Jets ears. Uh, but I think teams are going to find some depth here too, which I think is really important. I think it's one of the things you see 
year in and year out in the NFL that's hurting teams. When when those starting linemen go down, all of a sudden offenses are grinding to a halt because the guys behind them can't get the job done. You know, this might be a draft that that helps alleviate some of that for a few teams. And I think that could help uh, you know, the state of offensive play across the league, honestly. George, couple of quick notes. This is crazy, man. This is absolutely crazy. David Tepper continues his losing streak here in terms of making boneheaded decisions with the Carolina Panthers. Word coming out today that the Panthers have broken off conversations with their star pass rusher, Brian Burns, about a new contract. I don't know if this means they're going to tag him. I don't know if this means they're going to let him test the market. What I do know is that The Panthers were reportedly offered two first-round picks for Brian Burns at the trade deadline by the Rams and turned it down. If they end up letting him walk after turning that down, oh my, you put that together with the trade that they made to go up and get Bryce Young last year, and David Tepper is already looking like the new Daniel Snyder. Just remarkable. Other thing to note, and this is something in the local market here, there's a lot of buzz, and I mean a lot that we are going to see Saquon Barkley head over to Houston to play with C.J. Stroud. That would be very interesting. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, you know, coming into the, the Colts' backyard, I'm sure Indianapolis would not be excited about that. Uh, but that's a combo that that could really help take that offense to the next level. It was really good offense last year. Probably the one thing they're missing is that game-breaking running back. So put Saquon Barkley back there and, and look out. Uh, you know, only on the Carolinas front, there's a reason you end up consistently in that position uh, that they've been in since Joe Tepper's taken over, you know, picking really high in the draft or trading away your really high draft picks. Um, And it's decisions like this. I mean, if you're going to turn down two first round picks at a time when you need some picks back because you gave, you know, so many away to Chicago last year to move up to number one, uh, and then you're going to still let the guy end up walking for nothing. And maybe they franchise him. They sort of hinted at that. Uh, when Dan Morgan talked at the combine, but it depends on how how bad you know the relationship is right now. Um, if you do franchise them, maybe you can get those two picks back from somebody else. But it's still, the whole process of it just really, if nothing else, makes them look like there isn't really a long term plan, and that's probably a bit concerning for a franchise that's obviously not going in the right direction right now. George Bremer, who covers the NFL and the Indianapolis Colts for CNHI Sports. And the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Thanks so much for coming on with me all throughout the week. Always a blast. I love it when the NFL goes to the Combine in Indy because I know that it's going to give me an excuse to do some shows with my pal George. George, for those that want to check out everything you've written up about what went down at the Combine this week, and for those that want to read your tweets about it too, how can they read your work and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, you know, at GM Brimmer on social media, HeraldBulletin.com for the stories. Um, It's always a blast coming on here, hanging out with you. Uh, And we know at least one more year, right? If nothing else, the Combine's coming back here in 2025. Hopefully another 10 years. I'm petitioning for another 10 years of the Combine in Indianapolis. Let's make that happen. George, thanks so much for coming on. Make sure that you follow George on Twitter and check out everything he's written over at the Herald Bulletin. Check out everything we're doing at playlikejet.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. 
That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.